Hi everyone, Daniel Ramsey here, the CEO of My Outdesk and the host of Scale the Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to having conversations that unlock the exact formula and strategies multi-million and billion dollar companies use to scale their business. You can visit me on our website at scalethepodcast.com or listen to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Being a realtor and running a team are as different as climbing a tree and swimming in the ocean. I mean, they're, they're such different beasts. And that's the reason why I think most people stumble when they transition from being a, a realtor and a high producing realtor to then leading a team is that they think they'll just bring people along and they'll pick up their breadcrumbs. And uh, I've had, fortunately, I was designed from the beginning to care more about leadership than I was about sales and transactions and that sort of thing. My, my background is I spent about 10 years in the ministry uh, before I got into real estate full time. And oh, wow. so caretaking uh, of, of people and being, bless you, uh, I love that you even muted yourself. That's, uh, that's yeah. a seasoned performer. The ninja move. We can call it ninja move. <laughs> Uh, so leadership was what I was naturally accustomed to. And I didn't know how to be a businessman. A lot of business people and salespeople, uh, know how to do that and they don't know how to lead. And so for me, uh, every day is about the refinement of my leadership, but even more so scaling leadership and developing those other people in my organization. I, I'm not interested in followers. I'm interested in other leaders. And so now Hatch Realty essentially runs without me. Uh, I'm here to cast some vision and to still teach our leaders, but the day-to-day interactions. And if you're Joe Blow buyer agent or listing agent, you don't have any interaction with me. And so I've had to scale that. We've had to build that trust. We've had to uh, figure out how to do scaled leadership on a big level. And that's now given me permission to go out and build. And I have 18 companies as of today that I'm a part of. 10 are investment groups. So those are, those are just, you know, you give it some money and you have some strategy behind it and then you don't have to touch it but the other eight are active and all a part of the real estate industry. Uh, so I own, I have some ownership in a moving company and a mortgage company and uh, a marketing company and uh, a coaching company. And I mean, uh, a closing gifts company, it all kind of is interbred with one another. Wow. And so is your real estate company kind of feeding those individual kind of different, um, you know, side businesses, I would say? Uh, our, our real estate company is the proving ground for it. And it's the place where we trial and error things before we offer it to, uh, the rest of the people. And, uh, so I coached my real estate team before I started coaching realtors around the country. And, uh, now instead of starting with people like at the bottom and said, who, who's willing to pay 200 bucks a month to coach, I started with like my top people and, uh, I, I'm in the rates network, radio and television experts. And in that group, it's the top performers in almost every market. And what it boiled down to uh, was this is uh, a whole bunch of people wanted what we had. I wanted the sales that they had and they wanted the culture and the retention and the energy and the community impact that we had. And so I was able to come in and be a coach for leadership, for hiring, for developing, uh, because that's what we've done exceedingly well. And that's just a natural byproduct that we've now sold more houses because we've figured out that piece. And for most people, they go in and they say, how can I sell as many houses as possible? And then we'll get caught up on all those other things. And we've approached it differently. We said, let's be really great to our people. And then we're going to move it along and we'll sell more houses and have more wealth when we do it that way. 
That's interesting. I, I've never really heard that from any other like mega team or, or owner before. Tell me, like, how does that work? Like the, the specifics of it, like how do you invest in people before the growth and have that impact the growth? Uh, so I think the real estate industry is broken, uh, to be honest. If you're going to be a, a new realtor on a team or even on your own, uh, the average buyer looks for 12 weeks and there's going to take six weeks in escrow. So if you're lucky enough to have a buyer on day one, which you, nobody is, uh, after four months, you'll get your first commission check and that'll pay for your licensing and, and your class and everything else. And so in order to get into real estate, you have to have, uh, either a sugar daddy or a sugar mama yeah. trust fund or massive financial irresponsibility. Yeah. <laughs> and those are, those are the things that get people into real estate. I had the and last one. I had the last one. I was, <laughs> I was young and I was dumb and I had no clue. So yeah. Right. I love it. Yeah. I get, I get it completely. I can smell my own from a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and, and so as we've done this now, uh, We've, we've changed the onboarding process in our world. So if you're ever going to start in our world, you start as, uh, if you're an agent, you start either as a showing partner or a listing partner, which means you're salaried and you have three primary responsibilities. Your primary responsibility, number one, is to leverage the agent that you're partnered with. The second is to train and develop. And the third is to lead generate. And so we have a breeding ground for people to sharpen their sword and to come in. And so we're emphasizing everything about camaraderie, leverage, teamwork, and, and we're building scaled leadership within it because our agents who are in production are now leading these people here. And it's not me as the overarching rainmaker that has to have 20 new people that come into our world. In fact, I, I, I know a lot of people in this industry that are like, we're going we're gonna to bring in 20 people and the 10 that make it are going to be great. And, and for me, that's, that's not my fit. No shame in that game, but that's not our fit. And instead we say, if we're going to give a salary, uh, if, if we're going to pay this person X amount of dollars a month, we now have a responsibility to them to train them exceedingly well and set them up for long-term success. Yeah. And so I've been doing this now, uh, this, this hiring program for, for partners for about five years. And every person that we've ever hired, most of them are still with our team, but those that aren't are still in the business and doing exceedingly well. Right. And there's, there's this scarcity mindset of what happens if we train people really well and they leave us. Hmm. And my question, my question is, this is what happens if we don't train people really well and they stay with us? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and, and so we have this commitment, this servant leadership mindset that from moment one, when somebody starts in our world, we're going to give them the keys to the kingdom and we're going to equip them to have massively huge success. And yeah. so we're going to pay them to train. We're going to pay them to learn. And when they've proven that they can feed themselves from sphere deals and from being accountable for the team, we then graduate them up as an agent into production. So we, in fact, have a six-year career path, Daniel, that uh, has agents starting out. And if they hit each metric, they have a spot with us for at least six years. And, and the turnover for people on teams is usually two to three at most. Right. And so to give, I just burped. That was a good lunch. Uh, we'll smack that one out. <laughs> leave it. That's the good stuff. It's not smell-o-vision, but it should be. Uh, here's uh, – Here's the, the insider trick is that the, the agents that we have in our world, 
Uh, I heard Ben Kinney once say that if you want to have Navy SEALs, you have to have a Navy. And so we use our bench, we use our partners who are in training and leveraging those superstars as our breeding grounds to be Navy SEALs. My listing, my listing agents average 80 to 100 transactions per listing agent, and my buyer agents average 60 to 80 per, per agent. And so these are top performers in the industry, period, and yet they're on my team, and, and I have the privilege of leading them, and we're creating leadership and opportunities for them where they have the responsibility and the impact. We're still feeding them a lot of business from our ISAs and giving them a world of leverage and giving them a world that we don't think that they want to leave because we're continually raising that glass ceiling for them, that they don't run, up, run out of opportunity in our world. Right. And that's been the whole change. I'm starting to ramble here. And I, I think it's at least worth pointing out that we as a team have had to continually find the way to make this the best possible place for a high producing agent to exist. And for me, I'd rather have one headache making high producing agent who has a massive amount of talent and potential than trying to pull along five agents and get them trained up and, and hope that they know what they're gonna do and maybe two or three actually work out. I'd rather, I'd rather deal with the problems of a superstar than the recycle button of, of people. Because for me, this is a relationship game and I want to give everything I have to these agents that are on my team. Right, What? okay, so let's break that down. I'm kind of curious. Like, when you say I wanna give them everything that you have and then you say you have to find continually find ways to up the game and give more value like walk us through that over the last five years annually what have you upgraded and how have you added value to your five to ten people who are closing 60 to 100 deals yeah uh it started off we We'd hire them, and those folks that started with us back in 2014, five years ago, uh, we had ISAs working for them, and I trained them myself. So immediately they were trained by somebody who knew, like 2013 and 2014, I individually sold 150 houses each year on top of what our team was doing. So uh, I had sharpened my sword, and I, I knew what I was doing, and they were fortunately getting trained by an industry expert. Now. I never knew much about real estate. And in fact, up until a couple of years ago, I didn't know that drywall and sheetrock were the same thing because I, I, I know nothing about houses, nothing, but I knew, I knew a lot about people and connecting and listening and serving. And so I would teach them that. So the value proposition five years ago was get trained by an industry expert but it's not like here's a week of training, now go and do it. This was an everyday role playing, sharpening the sword. I'm invested in one-on-ones and continued to scale their business. And I knew what they wanted and where they wanted to go. Not just their big why, but even the, the depth and the, the, the juice behind the big why. I wanted to know why they wanted to make $200,000 a year, what they were going to spend the money on, the debt they had in their life, the problems that they were having with their spouse and everything in between. Right. And we meshed business and personal together because I don't think yeah, I get so excited. No. Yeah. I can hear it. Uh, and you're, you're a fast talker like me. So, uh, you just, there's a ninja skill. I like to call it ninja. I don't really care. Seals, you can call it whatever. But when you set an agent down, walk me through the questions you would ask in order to discover their desires, their dreams, what their frustrations are, their worries. Like how, how do you have that conversation where they just tell you everything and you have a real connection? 
to be a great leader means that you need to be a great listener first. And so I would simply ask, it's not about what I say, it's about how you feel when you're with me. And if I'm going to be a great leader for you, Daniel, I'm going to ask, I think, really poignant questions. Uh, so I'll say, Daniel, what's important to you? Uh, and what does success look like at the end of this year for you? Right. And you'll say, I want to sell 50 houses. And I want to make $150,000 or something like that. I'm like, that's awesome. Why? Right. And we think that there's like these really fancy scripts and, and the script of tell me more and why and keep going and what does that mean? Like just active listening and understanding. So if you want to make $150,000 a year, why? And you'll say, well, I want to buy a new car and I want to buy a new house. That's so cool. What kind of car do you want to buy? I want to buy a Tesla. Sweet. Why do you want to buy a Tesla? Yeah. Well, I really care about the environment. Awesome. Why do you really care about the environment? Well, my parents were like, and you just start pulling back the layers and the levels. And by the time the conversation's done, uh, and this starts in our hiring process and we see it all the way through and how we lead our team. Yep. Uh, as we're going, I think that our, our goal is to get to the emotional stuff that people don't have a rehearsed answer for. Mm. So if you think about it, if you're in an interview and I'll say like, who's the most important person in your life? You're going to say, well, my mom's the most important person in my life uh, because I was raised by a single parent. She was everything for me. Most of us take it and we stop right there. But what if I said, Daniel, uh, what was it like? What, what did you see your mom go through as a single parent? Right. And how was that for you growing up without a father? Right. And notice I didn't bring up your parents. You did. And now you've given me permission to start peeling the layers of this onion back. And I'm going to find out what you really care about and that you don't have a rehearsed answer for. And when that rises to the surface, you have real connection. Mm. And, and for me, that's why people want to work in uh, any working world is not because they can make the most money. Although in our world, you can crush it. People want to feel important and yeah. seen and heard and valued. And so if we circle this back around, your question originally was like, how do we uh, continue to raise that glass ceiling for people? And it starts here on the foundation and the foundation of what we have are relationships, right? It's, it's vulnerability and transparency and authenticity. It's not having work and life as a, as two different things. And, and it's not even balanced. It's just intertwined. And so we're going to talk about your family and we're going to talk about your cancers and your insecurities and ways that you're crushing it and everything in between from our one-on-ones to our casual passings. Uh, we could say that the word is culture, but the word culture is overused in our business world. Right. I'm going to say the word heartbeat and the heartbeat of our organization is built on relationships and connection. It doesn't mean we always get it right. It's simply that it's the striving force of what we're always going to go back to, the rhythm of our connection. Uh, in fact, I just uh, finished writing my first book ever. I'm really excited about it. It's called Play for the Person Next to You, A Guide to Servant Leadership. And what we're talking about in it, and it'll come out in September, uh, excited for it. And the, the premise of the entire book is that you can create champions by giving rather than by taking. And it starts with leadership. 
And you can have everything in life you want if you help enough others get what they want. That's what Zig Ziglar says. And it's how I've run my business. And it's how I think we've grown something pretty special. So when did you know know that that was the right way to run a real estate firm? uh, When I got kicked out. (laughs) Uh, Why'd you get kicked out? Like, give me the real scoop. Okay. Yeah. uh, I told the team leader I didn't like her or trust her. So that was probably one of them. And I I had beef with her because she was trying to coach me all the time and I wasn't coachable. Uh, In fact, that's like the least attractive element of anybody that's on my team now. And I look back on who I was six years ago and I just wasn't coachable. I thought I had it all figured out because I was selling more. So I thought that meant that I was better than. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the biggest crock of BS I could have sold. So I told her I didn't like her or trust her. And, um, I live in Fargo, North Dakota, so we're a border uh, city with Minnesota. We have Moorhead, Minnesota as a sister city. So 20% of our business is in Minnesota, 80% is in North Dakota. And I had an agent who was licensed in one state but not the other improperly represent a transaction, and that was a reflection on me um, because I didn't inspect what I expected. And that was the catalyst that really led me to getting kicked out. And So when I recognized how I had been building it, I was miserable too. Uh, I was chasing the almighty dollar and and titles when realistically what matters to me is impact and influence. And and when almost everybody left me and two people came with me out of 13, I realized that I was the problem. Mm. And when I realized that I was the problem, I had to change my approach into being the leader that I would want to follow rather than being the top producer that everybody wanted to ride the coattails of. But you did. The reality, though, is you didn't immediately know that. I mean, you just can't. It, you're in it and you're fighting for your life and you're like, you probably felt like you lost 11 people and two are the only loyal ones. So what really caused you to shift? Hmm. So in 2008 and 2009, well, I sold real estate part time from 2006 to 2011 when I went full time. Yeah. Uh, I had my full-time job doing ministry and it was part-time. Uh, I ended up joining a team in 2009. Um, I, so I was a buyer agent and I started to produce, you know, I sold probably 24 homes in 2009. Uh, I, I think was about the number. And as a part-time agent, I was really pleased with that. I was making twice as much in my part-time job than my full-time job. So uh, as I was doing that, uh, I approached the team owners And I said, listen, I'm bringing in 70% of the business from my own sphere, my own open houses. Uh, I'd love a chance to either renegotiate a split or I'd love a chance to start working some listings. And I was met with the response. And anybody who's run a team has had these conversations with agents who want more. I have. Everyone has. If you ever had uh, even one agent, chances Uh are you've had that conversation. Uh And I was met with the simple response no. Mm-hmm. And when I was met with the simple response, no, I recognized that I had no more growth there outside of just chasing what I was already doing. Mm-hmm. And the language that we've changed in our world, when somebody has asked for more, we respond with yes, comma, when. And it's a really simple adjustment. But if you, Daniel, were on my team as an agent and you said, Eric, I, I want to change my commission split and I want to make 20% more. I think I deserve it. I'll say, yes, you can make 20% more when you reach a certain benchmark. And it's a big benchmark. And, and 
in our world, if you hit uh, at least 20 sphere deals from your own procuring in the year, you get bumped up another 20% for those sphere deals. So deals 21 and beyond for those sphere deals are at a 20% increase in production. Now, in my world, I'm like, nobody's ever going to hit 20 deals. It's not. And if they do, I've already made my money off of them. And so they deserve the rest. Yes. All my buyer agents now hit that damn number every year. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I realized like, I, th what a great problem to have is I'm now paying 20% more on these splits because I've already made my money. And yet, because I said yes when, we saw the capacity for their talent grow. And they had that carrot to chase after instead of me just putting them in the box. And if I would have responded by saying no, they would leave. Hmm. And so to back to your original question of, of what's changed in our world and how did it, how did it change? I recognize when I was a buyer agent on that team that I would have built an empire for those people. And I love them. I appreciate them, but I would have built an empire if they would have shown me a path. Yes. And for me, I'm in the business of hiring talent and hiring leaders that happen to sell real estate and I'm not chasing after the next transaction. And so because of that, I have to continually figure out how to reshape my world. And, and that was the change. The change was I stopped hiring people that wanted to sell houses and I started hiring people that wanted influence and wanted creativity. I was hiring intrapreneurs, not entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs just want their own thing. Right. There's far more intrapreneurs that people that want to build something that they have their fingerprints on, but they don't want to take all the risk. Right. And I was willing to be that testing ground for them. And so we have teams within teams and we we're continually risking and failing and reinventing and getting back to it. And when we learn how to do it exceedingly well, we then share that with people through our coaching. That's awesome. Talk to me about your coaching. Like what do you like when you bring a new client on, what's the primary focus What's your secret sauce? Yeah. Your ninja skill in the coaching. <laughs> uh, so our, our coaching platform, and it's cleverly called Hatch Coaching because I put my name on everything. I don't know how else to, to name it. Cleverly, yes. Cleverly, yes. Yeah. Really, I'm the Colonel Sanders of, of most businesses. Is like I put my face on it. I have beady eyes, a white beard, and uh, I created the recipe, but I'm not in the kitchen anymore. Right. Uh, the, the, the premise of our coaching company is uh, we say that we're here to redefine how people treat people. So it starts on two levels. The first is how we treat our clients and we could treat our clients transactionally or, uh, you know, there's Wolf of Wall Street and Glengarry Glen Ross and the boiler room that talks about how use whatever manipulative tactics you can in order to transactionalize people. And of course those are animated movies and yet there's a lot of people that are using whatever fast scripts that they can to get somebody to convert. Right. And we've approached it very differently, similar to how we're approaching our, uh, our leadership. And that is we're finding out what these buyers and sellers intrinsically want. We're, we're teaching people not how to have conversations about the house and the script, rather saying, how can you go deep and learn about this person's life? Because if somebody calls on one, two, three main street, the chance of them actually buying that house is slim and none. Yeah. And so we're, 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 treating, we're treating people, instead of they call on 123 Main Street, we find out who's on the line, why they want to buy 123 Main Street, what, who's going to live at 123 Main Street, why that location or the economics of that house matter to them. 
their motivation, uh, their hopes, their wants, and their desires. And then we'll talk about the house. So when we build that foundation, again, of relationships and connecting, uh, we're, we're building up, we think, a, a much more sustainable uh, infrastructure. So at Hatch Realty, we have the top ISAs in the country. Literally, hands down, the top ISAs in the country. There's a guy named Chris Tam. Uh, he owns a, a company called Cast Services, and they are doing CRM audits, looking at what different people are doing for their long-term nurtures and who's actually doing what they say they're going to do. We have been uh, acknowledged by him as the top CRM in the country with what we're doing to nurture these relationships long-term and to touch the people the way we're supposed to uh, be contacting them and staying in front of them. Um, as an example, Daniel, uh, our average Zillow lead uh, takes from birthday until closing about 180 days. Okay. So from the time in which they first come in until they close about 180 days. Sure. For a pay-per-click lead, uh, from the time they first come in until they close, it averages over 600 days. Jeez. And yet that's a massive part of our business because it's about long-term nurture and it's about relationship building. So with Hatch Coaching, we have two elements. The first is if we're going to redefine how people treat people, it's how we're treating our clients. And so I have a partner in it. His name's Robbie Trefethren. No, goes in the business as Robbie T because his last name sounds like a medical symptom. Yeah. Uh, and so goes by Robbie T and he's coaching ISAs and lead converters from around the country. Okay. My coaching is simply about how to develop a better culture, a better heartbeat, how to hire better, how to train better, how to make a deeper community impact and how to lean more on your sphere of influence and your past clients to grow your business. I can teach people how to sell houses faster. I can help them adopt things like transaction fees and higher commissions. But the value in my coaching comes from leadership development. And so that starts with the person on the other line, uh, their personal habits, who they are first to their God and family. Second is who they are to their team, then to their clients, then to their community. And we build up an infrastructure of figuring out who's in your world and how can we get the best out of them. Instead of squeezing them to get more, it's giving them as much as we can so that we have more fruit to bear. And so that's our coaching platform, different than most, uh, and yet we've been able to have a really great Rolodex of people that have relied on our coaching. Hey everybody, Daniel Ramsey here, and I wanna tell you about an extraordinary offer to take action and start scaling your business right now. You know I get a lot of questions about how to grow your business, generate more revenue, and reduce expenses, and the answer is simple. It's My Outdesk Virtual Assistants. My Outdesk offers five-star virtual assistant services to thousands of business professionals across the United States and making our clients over $100 million in net revenue every year. Our customers absolutely love our virtual assistants, and I wanna give you the opportunity to learn exactly why. Simply text the word M-O-D, MOD, to 31996, and we're going to give you a free Double My Business strategy call, where you work one-on-one -on -one with one of our business growth specialists to design an action strategy for growth and cost savings in your business. We're gonna give you over 20 growth and strategy guides, a market force personality indicator, an important business checklist, and hiring guides. 
My Outdesk admins can help manage your office, your sales, your marketing pipeline, and even help you lead generate and follow up. And during this call, you'll learn exactly how you can put them into your business right now. So again, text MOD to 31996 and get a free double my business strategy call right now and learn how My Outdesk can transform your business today. What has been the biggest challenge in running a team, a coaching platform, a gift thing, probably an insurance and a mortgage? I mean, like you're running a lot of different things, buying properties for yourself. What's been the biggest challenge for you personally in that space? People. <laughs> uh, I, I spoke at a convention this last January and the title of my talk was real estate is easy until people get involved. Okay. And, and bricks and mortar and mortgage rates and that sort are all really fairly easy to learn because it's, it's, it's one plus two equals three, but with people, one plus two equals purple. And, and it all depends on what's going on in their life. And so if, if, if you have more than one business or even if you have just one business, understanding the dynamics of the people that are in that organization change the dichotomy of how you're running each business. I can't show up. Uh, my disc profile is I'm a 99 I I'm a 99 D I'm like an 80 S and I'm a nine C. So details like I don't even know how to spell it. Cause I'm not going to take the time to slow down. And I just want to be fun and jovial and connect with people. Right. But if everybody in my world has to mirror and match me, I have order takers. And remember, my desire is to create leaders and not followers. If I'm trying to create followers, they all need to mirror and match me. But if I'm trying to create other leaders, I have to be a different version of myself with each person. Still authentic to me, but if I'm going to mirror and match Joe on my team, I know that I need to be much more calculated and analytical. And if I'm going to match Char on my team, I have to slow down and talk about her dog, right? <laughs> because we, we, we have to individualize each one of our connection points as a leader. Right. The, best, the, best, the best leaders are not lions, they're chameleons. And so it's my job to match and make each person feel like they're connecting with somebody who's at their same wavelength if I'm ever going to help them be their best selves. So to your question, the hardest thing about these businesses are people, and it's because I have to be uh, mirroring and matching them, and I don't want them to fall in line with who I am. I need to fall in line with who they are. Wow. How did you develop that skill set? Uh, I've stumbled my way into it, really. Uh, I shared with you before that uh, my background is in ministry. Uh, graduating from college, I, I graduated from North Dakota State University in 2002, and immediately after that, uh, I went to work at the church that I was baptized and raised in. Uh, when I was 21 in college, uh, my mom, my only parent, died of a cancer battle. And so I was orphaned at 21, and my church was like this great caretaker of me, and, and it was this massive value in my life. And so I immediately went to work for them after I graduated college. And for me, it was not only a place to impact the lives of kids, but my life was radically getting impacted as well. Uh, I 
I paid very close attention to the importance of ministry. And ministry was never uh, what was said or spoken at the pulpit or from the altar. It was what happened when you were in the trenches of people when they were dealing with life, with death, with divorce, with self-doubt, with suicide, with uh, all these things. My job as a youth minister was to meet kids where they were at instead of them coming to church. Right. In fact, the church model is oftentimes broken because it's, it's inbred. And it's like, let's just take care of the people that are within these walls, right? And I didn't ever care for that. Like, yes, take care of those people and go out and reach other folks. And not to just preach the gospel, but to make connections and to get them to trust you. And if you're ever to get a middle schooler to trust you, you better know what's going on in their world. And so I learned a whole lot about uh, the video games they were playing, the music they were listening to, the places they were hanging out. And I had to meet them on their turf instead of me just sitting in my office expecting these kids to come and hang out with me. Because most kids didn't want to go to church. And most kids didn't give a rat's patootie about what I had to say unless they knew that I cared about them. And so I learned very early on that being relational was foundational. You're going to be relational as your foundation. It cannot be transactional as foundational. It needed to be relational as foundational. Our commonality is not real estate. Our commonality is that we're dealing with people and our own insecurities and our own strengths and weaknesses, and we're coming in with some baggage together. And those are the things that we can now start to build upon instead of just talking about the real estate businesses that we're in. All right. Well, how can we serve you? Um, we, we very much share the same value. Our, one of our values is a servant's heart. So we always, always, always ask what would be the best outcome for you in a relationship? I don't know. You know, my gal was just reaching out to anybody who had any influence in the industry and just scheduling a call. And so that's what this conversation was all about. Um, us to just connect and say hi and see if there's any you know, value to us working together in each other's world, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, first off, I'm grateful for the opportunity to share uh, a bit of my heart um, and to be seen as an influencer, somebody that makes an impact. Uh, that's a responsibility I don't take lightly. Uh, I, I, in fact, believe that I have to be so careful with my words. Uh, I have a coach, uh, his name's Shane Hips, and he said, uh, my whisper is a shout. Yeah. And so the things that I say have influence and matter, whether it be on a podcast or a webinar or in my own world or with my kids or anything in between. Yep. And so I'm very intentional with the words that I choose, even though I ramble from time to time. It's to, it's to figure out the right, uh, the right direction of where we're going. So with that, to your question, uh, the best thing that you can do is simply to share something. And, and it's your intention anyways, is to share this kind of approach because I know that I'm not the only one. And that's the thing. Uh, it was years ago, uh, God had put it on my heart after doing some uh, mission work in Haiti in 2010. He's like, I heard this little voice like, hey man, you should start an orphanage. You should start an orphanage. I, I, I went to Haiti after the earthquake, 230,000 people died in the most poverty stricken country in the Western hemisphere. Yeah. And I went to serve at an orphanage and I saw 125 kids that were uh, so beautiful and they had no step up in life. Uh, they clung to me when I spent time with them as though I was their only hope 
to have uh, to have life uh, and, and, and life abundance. And so I was wrecked in that moment. I'm like, I got to do something. And I found a guy named Nick Shivers out of Portland, Oregon, uh, a fantastic dude and a great realtor as well. And I had heard that he was using his business to fund an orphanage. And so I looked into it. I connected with him. And sure enough, he was uh, filtering a lot of his money to a, an organization called Forward Edge International. Nick and I developed a really good friendship. And in fact, he's my brother at this point. And I recognize that if there's a weird duck out there like Nick, there's going to be a weird guy like me, maybe in every market that has a heart to do something really big and impactful with their business and to have a business mean more than just accumulation for me. And so we started a movement uh, called Sell a Home, Save a Child. You can go to sellahomesaveachild.org. And we said, we can't be the only ones who want our business to give back and to make a difference in this world. And so uh, this has been about five years now that we've been at this. Uh, we've raised about one and a quarter million dollars by our donating and then empowering other people around the country to give as a part of their mission and ministry as well. So Nick Shivers, if you go to his website, you're going to see that he says that his business is selling homes and saving kids. And they're partnered with all these different places that are just people who are aligned with their thinking. And I want to know that my whisper is a shout. And I want to be able to say to the world that you can have massive influence and impact locally, regionally, globally, from your team to Haiti to anywhere in between, you just have to be bold enough to put something out there and invite people to come along for it. Yeah. And so the best thing you can do, Daniel, is to share what we're doing. Uh, and, and I believe that the law of attraction will find itself. And there's going to be people looking to have a deeper purpose in their business, whether it be through sell a home, save a child, or it be through servant leadership, or it be through playing for the person next to you. And there's, I think a, a, a best way to do it. And that best way is, is to show up as a servant and a giver. And that's how you have more than you ever thought possible. Yeah, I love it. So <clears throat> all of your, all of our clients are on this, um, the silver level donors like um, Adrian Lally, yeah. Garland, um, the Duncan duo, Marcy. Yeah. All of these guys are our clients. Yeah. And those are, those are some of our major allies uh, uh, for Nick and myself. Those are, that's our community that we're invested in. And every time I get a chance to talk about it, I get excited. Uh, I get fired up because I know that, Real estate means more than the, the bricks and mortar. It's the people that sell it that matter. It's the people that are going to live in it that matter. And it's the good that we can do from it that matters. Yeah. Sue Adler. Yep. All these folks, man. I love it. Yeah, we've, um, we have, like I said, we share the same values. We've created a, a nonprofit called the Mod Movement, and it's very similar uh, last year, we rehabbed an orphanage. This year, we're doing an old folks home. Uh, sent 200 kids to camp for a year or for a week. Um, actually, this week in Texas, they're underprivileged kids. Built a house in Ecuador, like a whole bunch of stuff. So, yeah, we're doing this. It's, it's the same concept, though. Get our clients and people in our influence and in, in our space to be part of the movement, you know? Yeah. How, um, when you, when, when you go to somebody and say, Hey, would you be a monthly contributor? What's the, like, talk to me a little bit about how you do that. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, 
Nick is, is more the front man than I am in that regard. We created it together and, and uh, I share it uh, as a coach. I get a chance to share it with some people. And so it's simply an invitation. I, the, the best sales technique I've ever adopted is to never sell. It's to simply speak of passion of what I'm doing. And I think that people will show up and you have to show them the avenue. So if you want to learn more, hey, reach out to us. If you want to be a monthly donor, uh, let us know. But it's never a hard sell. Uh, it instead is just sharing with them what has changed my heart and the focus of my business. And I'll talk about I can't be the only one. And again, if I'm not the only one and if somebody else out there is, is feeling like they want to make a difference, uh, sell a home, save a child is a great path for you. And yeah. so it's, it's, it's nothing more than that. Nick is a, probably a little more aggressive with his sales technique because he'll tell people, hey, you need to do this. And he's, he's right up with it. And, and it works for him and this works for me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. And the reason I ask is because we, we onboard, you know, between 50 and 100 clients every month. And wow. I haven't been able to figure out how to internalize it into our sales process at yeah. the appropriate point. Um, so I don't know. I'm, it's good. I might have to just schedule a call with Nick and kind of talk him through it. But we haven't had very, we've had certain clients contribute and we've had certain clients add it to their value proposition, which is the whole concept, right? You go into a listing presentation, you're like, look, when you list with me, you're saving a child, same concept. Or in our case, when you, when you list with us, you're making a, a change in the world, impact in the world, right? So um, yeah, we, we just haven't, um, you know, we haven't been, we take a percentage of our revenue and we spend, but we haven't gotten enough people involved because we have 800 clients, 1200 virtual assistants. So do you guys ever, ever do uh, community type things? Do you do summits or masterminds or that sort of thing together? Cause that for us has been one of our biggest, uh, biggest platforms to, to cast a vision is when you find like-minded people together and then uh, you know, we just, we were in LA a couple of weeks ago at the rate convention and we raised 50,000 bucks there and we were in Fargo last September and we raised 50,000 bucks. And like, we're, we're finding these opportunities when you get a couple of drinks in people and you get them excited about what they're doing. Uh, they're much more likely to say yes. <laughs> okay. New formula, get drinks in them, have an event. <laughs> I, I, I have other order. other order, right? No, that's right. You got it right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a, I have a buddy who uh, runs like a philanthropy that feeds other philanthropies. Uh, so his, his goal is to feed nonprofits and his technique for every live and silent auction is get them drunk, take their money. There's yeah. something to it. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's good, man. I, I love it. Well, dude, I have really appreciated our time together. This has been, um, it's good. I mean, I just, I like meeting, you know, especially people like you who have a lot of influence in the industry and, Hearing your story it's so funny man you've got a great story from from pastor to what would we pick out yeah dumpster fire yeah, dumpster fire <laughs> dumpster fire get the story today of eric catch um I, I have a ted talk that's called i'm a hot mess uh that i gave a few years ago and it's it's uh, about actually owning your mistakes uh and being the one to tell your own story so nobody else tells it for you huh yeah Okay. I'll check it out, man. I love that. Um, 
Great. Well, we're going to turn this into a little video, man. I mean, exactly what we'll send it out to every single real estate person in the world. So oh, that's so cool. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. And uh, if there's anything else we can ever do for you, we'd, we'd love to serve. Well, thank you.